Well, straight from the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence. A time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. So there are seasons. <laughs> In life, in scripture, right from God, he wants us to understand this deep thing about these seasons. And, um, and, and it's interesting because all of you are in one right now, right? Every one of us. <laughs> in fact, the truth is we're in multiple seasons, probably, if we really understand that. Can I just ask real quick, how many of you cried watching the episode one more time? Okay, all right. Men and women, thank you. So here's where it is. Ecclesiastes, there is a time for everything. And there's a season for every activity under the heavens. So um, when, the, when the Hebrew, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, when the Hebrew was translated into the Greek, it's called the Septuagint, and it's what it says here is it takes one word for time. When it says there's a time for everything, the Greek word is what we talked about last week, chronos. There's a appointed time, a cyclical rhythm, like we talked about, days, weeks, months, years. There's that type of time. But then it says when there's a season for everything, it's another word for time. And it's the Greek word kairos. And it's a completely different type of time. And the, it's the word that's used when it says a time to be born, a time to die. It's saying there's a season for that. There's a season for this. There's a kairos for that. There's a kairos for this. And what it is, um, it's the period of time which is characterized by unique features that set it apart from other times in our lives. It's an experienced time. It's an occasion. It's quality time. It's when we say, man, we had a good time together. That's kairos. It's finding the right time to say something or to invest. That's kairos. It's interesting, in mythology, Greek mythology, uh, the youngest son of Zeus was kairos. And he was the spirit of opportunity. It's interesting because kairos is bald, okay? But he has a mane in the front of his head. He has this lock of hair in the front of his head. And that's because Kairos can only be grasped as he approaches. When Kairos is coming, there's a mane that you can hold on to. But when he goes, it's bald and it slips away. Isn't that interesting? Very cool picture. So the interesting thing about Kairos, about seasons, is they actually have a beginning beginning. 
and an end. Very different. Yesterday, you had, we talked about, or last week, we talked about days. Days are cyclical. You had a yesterday, now you got today, now you got tomorrow, you got days. This week, last week, <laughs> to next week, those are all cyclical, where Kairos has a beginning and an end. Now, there's two types of Kairos seasons that all of us are in. One of them are life stages. And we have life stages, right? And they come, and then they end. And then you move into the next one. In this book, again, that I've gotten much material from uh, for these last two messages, Your Life in Rhythm by Bruce Miller. I like this. He says, you kiss your newborn's head, and then you kiss his cheek on his first day of school. Then you hear about his first kiss. And then you kiss him goodbye as he leaves home. And then you hear the minister say, you may kiss the bride. <laughs> and before you know it, you're watching him kiss his newborn's head, and it all begins again. So there are life stages. Your child, your teenager, 20s, midlife, retirement. So there's those kind of stages, life stages, but then there are personal stages. There are personal seasons that we all go through. Things like pregnancy, grief, building a home, moving to a new town, sickness. All of those things are things that begin, but you know eventually they're going to come to an end. And it's a season of your life. Sometimes they're restful. Sometimes they're absolutely exhausting. Some are seasons of joy, and some are seasons of suffering. And what's interesting about seasons is you don't choose them, and you don't try to balance them. You identify them, and here's what I'm going to talk about today. When, when you get these seasons, and all of us are in them, to, to really fully live in a season, you got to learn how to embrace them, engage them, and have the right expectations in them. All right? So let's unpack those three things. Let me just pray again real quick before we do. Father, again, we, we worship you this morning because you are holy, you are good, you are right, you are the creator, you're our creator, you're the only one who can reveal to us reality. And I also, God, I just love every time we gather together to know that you are fully aware of every season that people are in right now. You know the painful seasons, you know the joyful seasons, you are in those seasons. And I believe you wanna to speak to us today to help us know how to live them out fully. And I ask that you would do that in the name of Jesus. Lord, truly, touch us, meet us, speak to us. Help us to live. Jesus, you said you came to give life to the full. I pray you'd help us to understand that. And I pray for it in your precious name. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> let's talk about embracing the season that you're in. Now, um, again, the main premise of this book is this whole idea that if you're trying to balance your life, that may be one of the reasons you're so stressed out. Now, what's interesting, think about this. You don't try to balance planting and harvesting, do you? You don't balance those. You don't do those at the same time. You aren't supposed to mourn and dance at the same time. There's a season for both of those. You don't break down and build up at the same time. So this whole idea, well, I should be balanced, right? I should be grieving, but I should be dancing, especially if I really trust God right? So this whole idea 
that seasons are not meant to be balanced. There is a time, a season for each of these. And so what, what the wisdom, these first two points I want to give you are just some, some, some wisdom, and then I want to kind of camp on the third point for us. But part of the wisdom is embrace the season that you're in. And, and the, way, the way I want to say this is no group hugs, okay? No group hugs. You take a group hug, you try to take both things and bring them together and hug them. And what the scripture is telling us is no. What, what, what Solomon was revealing to us in Ecclesiastes is no group hugs. Identify the season you're in and then to figure out what activities are appropriate and should I actually be engaging in in this season? What responsibilities do I have in this season? So again, much of our stress, our busyness, your guilt, <clears throat> some of your dissatisfaction with life is you're trying to engage in activities and bear responsibilities that aren't really yours to handle right now <laughs> because you're in a certain season. So, and, and, and we think about this all the time, right? So, man, when I was single, all I wanted to do was be married. And then I meet married couples and all they want is to be single. Then you've got women who are longing to bear children, and then you have parents resenting the burden of raising children. <laughs> and so you find yourself in a season, but you're always looking to say, but there's another one. And so, and let's look at these. We have life stages where you really should just embrace the season you're in and stop trying to grab other ones and group hug them. Like teenage dating. If you're a teenager, Okay, and I don't know about you, how many of you wish, all you grown-ups in here, how many of you wish you could redo your teenage dating? Anybody? Okay, come on, everybody raise your hands, <laughs> except two of you maybe. And I was thinking about this though, it's true. When a teenager forgets that that's the stage they're in, and they try to have serious, exclusive relationships where you're acting like you're actually married emotionally and socially, I'm telling you what, that causes huge stress. <laughs> Chill. You're 16, all right? I was singing the whole same thing. When you're engaged, it's unbelievable that season you're in, and I'm gonna be very appropriate here, but, but, but get, we talk about sex and marriages for sex. When you're engaged, you can't hardly think about anything else. And when you're married with three kids under the age of five, you can't even think about it. <laughs> and you need to realize what stage you're in. Okay? When you're married without children, and then all of a sudden the young kids come, and you try to live like you did when you didn't have any children, and you're going, where are those sleep-filled nights? Where's the sleeping in on Saturday? Where's the spontaneous, let's just go grab some coffee, and then you start being very frustrated because of the season that you're in. I remember us saying, man, when we have kids, they are not gonna change how we live. We're gonna bring them into our lives. Yes, you are. So here's the deal. So in life stage, you gotta just grab the stage you're in. Embrace it. And then there's personal seasons. Man, when you move to a new city, and that happens a lot here in Salt Lake, seasons of transition, all of a sudden there's no familiarity. Your friends and your family aren't there. 
And, and you can all, and you, you look back and you go, oh, the way we used to have it. Well, that season's not here anymore. You're in this season. So you kind of kind of just put down your expectations. So then you have rehabilitating from an accident. Okay, or, or on a short season, if you, let's put that down, just when you have the flu. I mean, when you're sick, you gotta realize, I can't do the things I used to do. Bring down your expectations. It's a season that you're in. Or a season of chemo. Watching my mom go through chemo. All of a sudden, you can't do the same things you do. Seasons of grief. So anyway, part of understanding Kairos is giving yourself a break and lowering your expectations and being able to embrace this is where God has me right now. Can I also just say this is really important in your spiritual life. There are spiritual seasons. And it's interesting because Jesus even used this terminology and so did Paul. You receive, a seed goes out and it's planted. So you receive, that's the first season. And then you're supposed to get rooted and established, rooted down into his truth and into his love. And then you grow, which is really great. It's fun. And then eventually after you grow, do you see this fruit start coming out of your life? And then I was so grateful for, in in John chapter 15, when Jesus says, and every tree that bears fruit, what? It gets pruned. (laughs) And have you ever seen a pruned tree? They're really ugly. And I want to tell you what, when, and, and I was so grateful, you need, all of you need to understand the season and embrace the season that you're in with God spiritually. And don't compare yourself to others. You might look at somebody else in stage and they got fruit coming off them, and you actually used to be like that, but now you're being pruned. And that's okay. There's different seasons and we need to embrace them. That's the first wisdom. Don't try to hang on to a season you've left. Don't try to live in a season that has yet to come. And don't envy someone who's in a different season than you. Embrace the one you're in, okay? Number two, engage the season. Engage the season. So you gotta seize the opportunity that your season affords you. So every one of you, no matter what season you're in, this is the time, right? So two, two weeks ago, we talked about seizing the moment. You've got right now, that's all you've got. So now we're going to lift up and say, no, seize the season. Man, I always say, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing right now, you guys ever play that game? You're already sitting around dinner. Hey, if you could do any other occupation, what would you do? I, I'm pretty sure mine would be, I would love to work with college students. I would love to be a dean or something in the, in the college realm. What a fantastic season. Isn't college a great season? Okay. I think it's a great season, man. And so I, oh, I tell every student that gets ready to graduate, you will never have another opportunity like those four years. Go, or five, or eight. So that's true. But I, I tell you, man, travel. Take advantage of what your school offers. Go somewhere else. Embrace things, try different things. It's an amazing season. I'm telling you, if you're in that season right now, seize it, right? Go for it. The freedom of singleness, being married, or not getting married until I was 34. So having 11 or 12 years of being single in all my 20s and in the first half of my 30s, unbelievable. I remember my sister-in-law who I graduated with hated that fact because she had kids like right off the bat, right? 
And I was like flying all over the world and traveling and doing things. But I want to tell you, man, if you're single right now, that is a different capacity of time. Go for it. Give your life away. Fulfill the mission. Discover what God has for you and give it. Each stage of parenting, right? Seize it. This is the funniest thing, and all of us have heard this a million times. It's over before you know it. Right? How many of you all? I mean, we all, you've all heard it. You all say it because it's true. (laughs) And so, man, we got to learn to seize those things. And for those of you who are moving into retirement, it's a season. Go for it. I remember when my dad retired, one of the first things he did is he built a barn right next to our house, designed it himself, built it, and made a wood shop out in his his barn. And then he would go in there every day. I have furniture in my house that my dad built once he retired. I have things I can't tell you because they're secrets for my kids, okay? That my dad... He doesn't know how many years he has, and he wants to make sure that every kid, they, they, they all have precious boxes that he built for them on the day they were born. Seize your retirement. I'm telling you, man, listen, here's the deal. If you're young, you've got energy, then give it. Spend it. If you're older and you don't have the energy, but you've got wisdom, share it. Share it. I think this is one of the most important things of everybody I talk to, that's an exaggeration, a lot of people I talk to are always saying, I wish I had a mentor. I wish I had somebody who was 10 years beyond me who could pour back into me and help me through my life. I'm telling you, man, if you're out of work and and you're free in that sense, seize that moment, man. It's yours. Give it the best you got. When the Bible says make the most of every opportunity, the actual Greek is make the most of kairos. Make the most of your season. So, and this can be examples, right? There was a a couple, I I met just a couple weeks ago and they were sitting right over here and and he's from Alaska. And he's down here, he's got this little contraption hanging off his chest and he's been here a year waiting for a heart transplant. So he's waiting for the right heart to come so he can live. But you know what, what? He's not waiting. He and his wife go to the hospital on a regular basis, and all they do is seek other people who have that box in front of them, and they go and they pour life into them, and they encourage them, and they pray for them. Isn't that cool? See, that's seizing a really tough season. But it's the season you're in. So go for it. You know, a really tough one is it when you lose a job. This is a tough season. There's a pattern, as I was reading, that happens most of the time when people lose a job. There's disbelief, then anger, then you fight against it. Then there's kind of this weird elation of time that you have now, which then slides into depression. <laughs> and then a surge of effort to seek new opportunities. So what happens, you guys, and, and there's other things that we lose, and you're waiting, right, for this next thing to come. I, there are so many times when I feel like you've left one trapeze bar, and you're just kind of floating in air, right, waiting for the next one to come. Maybe this is a time, a season, to rethink the trajectory of your life. Maybe it's a time to think about a career shift. Maybe you have some time to do something at home you never had to be able to do before, or maybe 
you could seize this time and spend it with your family, with your friends, and here's a big one, with God. Can I say, I've heard this so many times for all of you who are really seeking after God. You will have seasons where you're gonna go, I have no idea what God wants me to do. How many of you ever felt like that? I just don't, I just don't know what God wants, boom, wow, okay. Nobody knows what God wants them to do, that's awesome. But here's the point. I remember having a, a year and a half, two years, of being in absolute darkness, having no clue what God wanted to do with my life. Now, on the other side of that, can I tell you, when you don't know what God wants you to do, I, when someone tells me that now, I, I, I just beam. I'm like, this is a great season. You know why? Because he wants you to get to know him. What really matters is that you know him. And so if you're in that season right now where you don't know for sure what to do, I want to encourage you, man, seize that season and get to know him. I believe that's why he gives you seasons when you don't know what to do. All right. So expect, that's the, those are the type of two wisdoms. Um, embrace the season. Just accept the one that you're in and get rid of your expectations and then seize the one you're in. And now let's go to this last deal. The expectations in seasons. The expectations in seasons. I have two of them, okay? Here's the first one. Expect the season to end. Expect it to end. This is part of the beauty. And I wanna tell you, when I first heard this guy speak on this stuff, it's unbelievable hope when you can understand that you're in a season. There's great hope. Despair comes when, from feeling like this will never end. You get in this situation, right, and everybody says, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and you're the person who says, I know, and it's a train, right? That's kind of your mentality. It's like, no, it's a season. And knowing that there is an end gives you motivation to keep going. And all of us experience this. Every sporting event. Can you imagine if you actually were playing a sporting e event and there wasn't a clock to let you know when the game was going to end? Especially last night. <laughs> Anybody else in morning? <laughs> that was a tough game. How could you keep playing if you never knew when it was going to end. So you need that clock. How many of you, when you're, when you're climbing these beautiful mountains out there, it's the view of the peak, right, that keeps you going. You know, eventually, I'm going to get to the top of this thing, and because you know that, it gives you the energy to keep going. The end of a semester is what allows you to keep breaking through. You guys, we all experience this in life. You need to know, especially those of you who are in a really tough season right now, it's not going to last forever. It's not. And you have to have that expectation. One of my absolute most important passages in my life revolves around this. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Because here's what happens. 
I mean, you would, I'm sure it was hard not to lose heart for the Utes in the football game last night. But what would happen to your heart if you thought, we just got to keep doing this? And some of you today, you walked in here and you've lost heart. Some of you are in a season that's so hard. And I, I, that, could be, that could simply be you have a baby who won't sleep, who's crying like mad, and you haven't got through it, and you're, you're going nuts. Guess what? They grow up. And then they just move to another season, right? And then there's another. But they come and they go. Paul says, therefore, we don't lose heart. And I think this may be one of the most important things to understand about seasons. Seasons help you not lose heart. And then he goes on and says, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And this is really important. For our light and what? Momentary. Troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because what is seen is, say it, it's temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. And so, and so this is really important to understand, because it can give you hope that this isn't going to last. Now, and that can mean, right, for some of us, you know there's certain seasons we can be in. And it probably is going to be the same way until I die. But that's what he was talking about. In chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, he, he said, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, of the hardships we're going through. Far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. And then in this passage, he calls them light and momentary. Compared to the surpassing glory. Right? So here's what you need to understand. A season is going to end. Here's the other thing. When you know a season's going to end, it also helps you to anticipate what's next. So in this passage right here, we all know this. There's a season of life on this planet. Right? There's a season on this planet. And you all know you're going to die. And that's what Paul is saying. We're going to talk about this next week. We're going to talk about beyond time next week. We're going to talk about eternity next week. And what Paul is saying is, you, when you know that this life ends, then you can anticipate the next one, and you can start living for it and preparing for it. Now, the same thing is true down here. Um, Men's Fraternity, which is a great video curriculum that we do here at K2, one of the best uh, sections of that, of the, I thought, in that teaching was a day when it told what men do in their 20s, what they do in their 30s, what they do in their 40s, and what they do in their 50s. And when they said what they do in their 40s, I remember listening to that going, because I was 49 at the time, and I remember listening to that and going, yes, that was my 40s. And all I could think was, why didn't somebody tell me that when I was in my late 30s? Right? Why didn't somebody prepare me for what my 40s were really going to be? So I'm 49, it was like a year and a half ago, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm gonna turn 50. So I went to all these guys 10 years my older, and I said, okay, what are my 50s? See, when you know a season of your life is gonna end, and the next one's coming, then you can actually anticipate it, and you can start preparing for it, right? My kids are 14, 12, and 10. 
I guess we're not prepare, we're preparing for teenagerhood, but we're in that. So anyway, expect the season to end. And then let me close with this one. And this is so huge, you guys, if you're going to make it in your seasons. Expect God's faithfulness. Expect his faithfulness. Ecclesiastes 3.11, right after that whole, a time for this, a time for that. It says that God has made everything beautiful in its time, in its season. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. He makes everything beautiful in its season. See, now this is really important to understand because if you're at this point in your season and it feels like God's not even there and it feels ridiculously dark and it's horribly painful, God says in the season, in this whole thing, I'm going to make it beautiful. And then he says, and no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Isn't that, isn't that, does that ever frustrate you? How many of you go, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? But the whole point here is this is when he wants us to learn to trust him. Because from God's point of view, in light of eternity, he is going to make all seasons beautiful. Now, here's what's interesting. We can't explain life. Nobody can fathom what he's doing. He's eternal. He's above it all. And we'll get into that next week. So we can't know what's going on. So even though we can't explain life, but what's crazy is we have to experience it. <laughs> you got to experience it. And so you can try to escape it, which we do many times with our drugs and our alcohol and, the, and our sexual stuff and our pursuit of finances. We try to escape the season. We exhaust ourselves trying to change the season. And many of you maybe are right now, I'm trying to change the season and I can't. And see, this is where when you understand that there's a wave and that God's in the season, then hopefully you can catch the wave instead of trying to crash against the wave. So we need to accept him and then we must endure. Psalm 31, 14 and 15 says, I trust you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Your times are in God's hands. And he's the only one who knows the beginning of your season and the end of your season. He's the only one who knows the beginning, the day you were born and the day you die. And every stage that you're going through and every personal deal that you're up with right now. So can I just tell you, Brendan Manning in this book, really great book called Ruthless Trust. If you, wanna, if you want, man, Brendan Manning, Ruthless Trust trust. He says, if I ask most Christians, do you trust God? And if I did this, you'd all go, yep, right? You trust God. 
He goes, but the only people who actually really do, he goes, when I watch your life, the people who actually trust God are the ones who can thank him in every season. I want to tell you, man, I read that. That's hard to chew on. Because there's some hard things that go on. But can we believe that God is never abandoning us, that he's actually in it? I've, I've mentioned this book a million times. No, man, I'm exaggerating today. A few times in the last uh, few years. One of the best books that's helped me is called 31 Days of Praise by Ruth Myers. 31 Days of Praise by Ruth Myers. She wrote this small, it's very short, you just read a little bit for each day, one day for each one of the month. When she was a young married woman who lost her husband. And out of that pain, out of that season of grief and suffering, she wrote how you can praise him and trust him in everything. It's one of the most helpful things I've ever done to get me to the point, or help me get to the point where I can thank God and trust him in every season. If that's you, may I encourage you to, to look at that book. This is why we all love the verse, Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, all seasons, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. See, I'm telling you guys, see this, you gotta believe this. You gotta believe, and, and I heard Tim Keller say, again, he says, we know that in all things, God works together for the good. So he takes everything that happens, he takes all the season, and he works all that together for the good. Like, you might be wrestling right now with a specific thing that's happening, but God is using that, and this, and that, and that. He's taking everything with his infinite wisdom over your whole life. And say, I'm going to take all of that, and I'm going to make good come out of it. And I'm telling you what, man, this is when the Bible says the fight is one of faith. This is when the Bible says the work of God is to believe. Because when you're in a tough season, the first thing you're thinking is that God doesn't love me. Am I not, am I not saying the truth? That's what will we'll, we'll struggle to trust him. You've got to know seasons come, expect them to end, and expect God's faithfulness. Philippians, we love this one. People love to quote this. I have learned to be content whatever, I'm just going to put, the season. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every season. Are you there? Whatever, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, and here's the verse, you're, hey, you, you see this athlete say this all the time, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can score touchdowns and go through fourth quarters and all that kind of stuff. Here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, in the midst of whatever circumstance you're in, God is with you, and he can give you strength to endure, to embrace, to engage, to receive, and to believe. I can live in any season through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Romans 8, 28 said what? God works together for the good in all things for who? For those who love him, and are called according to his purpose. 
Can I just tell you, if you're investigating Christianity today, all human beings are gonna go through a season. Everyone, Jesus said, every, hardship hits everybody. The beautiful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message is, all of us are on our own, separated actually from God, trying to make it on this planet. The gospel is, he comes, forgives us of our sin, when you confess that you believe that finally I have been walking apart from God. And he removes your sin and he replaces it with his spirit. And now Jesus Christ, who endured the seasons of this life victoriously, all of them, is the one who lives inside you and he can strengthen you right now with the season that you're in. So, as the band comes up and we close today, I heard this song and I think I was just, I think I was packing lunches in the morning and this song was playing and there was a phrase in it. And so I immediately went back and listened to it again and then I listened to it again and I listened to it again and I just, and I'm, and I'm like, oh my God, we have to do this song today. You're gonna hear it at the end. There's one line in the song and it says this. There is strength that rises up in me to know you've been here before me. There's strength that rises up within me when I finally come to know that you've actually been here before me. Do you guys hear what God's saying? Whatever you're going through right now, he's actually already been there. He was in it before you entered it. Please come back next week as we talk about eternity. We serve a God who's outside of time. And so somehow beautifully, there's a, a, a scripture that I have been clinging to, Deuteronomy 31.8, and it says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. Isn't that good news? See, here's what I think most, at least for me, for years, I just celebrated the fact that he was with me, which is good. But what he's saying is, I'm not only with you, Nelson, I actually went there before you. I was there waiting for you in that moment to help you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He never said he's gonna stop the valley of the shadow of death. He never said he's gonna escort us around it. He said, I'm in it. And when you come into that moment, you can know in this season, I was already there. And there's strength to know that the God who loves you was already there waiting for you. The Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. It's a season. It's gonna end. It's gonna end. And he's gonna walk you through it. So that's what I, I just wanna do right now. And, um, you know, I'm going to do the offering a little, I'm going to do it afterwards. I just want to come out up here, Sally. 
You can sing this song whenever you feel ready. Embrace this song. Believe this song. Take these words and get them into your heart so that you can face your seasons. You can endure them. You can embrace them and engage them because the love of Jesus Christ that nothing can separate you from is there with you and I'm, all right? Let's just soak in this moment. Enjoy it anytime you feel it.